All right, welcome into another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. Of course, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. They are CLNS's official sports betting partner. Uh, and listen, in lieu of actual an actual background song, I just thought, in light of Arizona's win and the Patriots' loss, I thought this was what we all needed to hear right now. That's right, baby. If if uh, something's going to go away with strength of schedule, but if they do, the Patriots are back in the driver's seat for the number two pick, thanks to Arizona's win, what? improbable win, uh, and they're against, yeah. and they're in a loss next week, and the Patriots are all but guaranteed a top three pick. Um, yes. Yep. Which means if they're not getting a quarterback, they're getting the whoever they think is the top offensive player in this draft. Correct. Uh, and. You look at what happened today in Buffalo, and it's clear you could kind of pick any position on offense and throw throw a pick at it, and they need it. Um, well, and that's you yeah. know, look with Trent Brown being out, Trent Brown's gone, right? I think uh, we 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 yeah. forth about this. Well, and I had I had previously kind of defended him to a degree or left open that door because you know he's played through injury. It's appeared this whole season, and they've got him to buy back in before and all that, but. Removed from the injury report this week, a healthy scratch, doesn't even have a locker up in Buffalo for the game, doesn't travel with the team. And uh, actually, I, I saw this right now, according to Mike Giardi, uh, there was belief that he could have returned and he didn't. He was protecting himself and his future earnings in a season with no postseason for New England. And with a, a lot of guys playing through injury, that hasn't hasn't gone over well with the guys in the locker room, and you know that's he's a good player, and as a player, I think I would like that a player of that ability on the at left tackle, but he's just not reliable enough right now. You can't you can't do that, right? And really, what it comes down to for me is that you know I look at it and just think, man, you know, you talk about the players on here, they're playing their asses off, they really are. And if we had Sophie Weller on with us last week. And she had that great story, right? That great exclusive interview with him where he was very candid about the way he felt about the way the Patriots treated Malik Cunningham and so on and so forth. But like, you know, it's one thing to talk. It's one thing to talk and be upset about it for your guys and whatever. But like, it's not just that. It's not that he's, oh, well, you know, he's he's trying to speak for the players. and He's not doing that. You know, like he's, to your point, he's protecting himself. He's putting himself over the team. And... If that's the case, uh, like I'm a hundred percent out, one hundred percent out on Trent Brown. Yep, yep. And it's also, you know, if you're at that point, it's tough to, like, you can't rely on him. It's tough to bring him back into that locker room. You can't use him as a mentor for younger players, right? Um, and that's all tough. And it's, uh, I think Pat's cap. Uh, Miguel had tweeted it out earlier, the number of combinations New England has had on the offensive line this year. Consistency for them has been an issue. The only year with more combinations was 2013 and had injuries that year. And, you know, injuries have played a part this year, but inconsistency, you need reliable guys on the line. And Trent Brown is good when he's out there, but he is not reliable. And you're right. trying to build culture, you're trying to build consistency. He's not the guy. So yeah. I, I expect the Patriots will take a step back at left tackle next year just because it's hard to find left tackles in this league, but you got to cut bait and move forward at some point and try to find another option. looks like this is going to be the time they do it. Right. And and to me, it really depends on, it really depends on who's there, 
right? There's a possibility that a left tackle comes available into the market. I mean, it happened last year where multiple left tackles were available in the market. And of course, Juwan Taylor is playing right tackle for Kansas City right now. But, you know, there were guys that were available. And well, there's a possible line that's had issues too. <laughs> no, no, 100%. And I'm not saying Juwan Taylor is a great player or anything, but I'm, I'm just no, saying no. if you can get a guy that's going to be consistently there every week, I think that's already going to put you ahead of the eight ball. Now, look. You can tell me that Trent Brown is a really good player, and I think he is when he's out there. He hasn't been out there. I mean, he's not going to hit his playing time incentives. His playing times, his playing time incentives were sixty-one percent. It's not like he had to play eighty percent of the snaps. He hasn't been out there, and so you know, if you can get a guy that's going to be consistently there and healthy, that's a chance to upgrade at that position, no matter what, no matter who it is that's out there. If he's consistently out there all the time, I think that's that's a you know yeah. a, a good shot. So. Yeah, you're, you're going to be a downgrade for those snaps when Brown was out there, but an upgrade on the ones where he wasn't. And that, Correct. So I do want to – any oh, Danny that, I, before we, oh, wait, sorry. Before we move on from that, because yeah, you mentioned yeah, the playing ahead. time incentives, they're significant too. Yes. Um, yeah, Miguel Patzcap had mentioned that um, it's like a $9.9 .9 million adjustment on next year's cap. Like it, fr yeah. it frees up a ton of money for them next year. And that's huge. Um, mm -hmm. like that's, mm -hmm. that is a whole starting caliper player in cap oh, yeah. that you get back. Well, and I think and, the big thing for me is that, you know, yeah. and people can poo poo the team and all this. Other, I mean, he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve it in my opinion. And it's, again, if you're going to quit on the team, if you're not going to play the way, you know, you're not going to put it all out there. Like, like the other guys have been doing, I mean, Juwan Bentley's playing through injury. All the guys on the defense are playing through injury and it just doesn't matter, you know? So that's that's the hard part for me. Um, but anyways, all right, so Danny Stanford over here asked a question about is there a chance we have the number six pick still? So I'm just looking at just looking at Tankathon right now. The Chargers are currently playing right now. But yeah. the Chargers are the, are currently drafting number seven. They have five wins, okay? They're the last team with five wins. So there's seven teams with five wins or less. The Patriots right now have a, have a lower strength of schedule than Tennessee and the Chargers. If they were to win next week and everyone else were to lose ahead of them, right? Assuming, you know, or behind them, or however you want to say it, right? If if every team with four or five wins were to lose and the Patriots were to win next week, it, it looks to me as though the lowest they're gonna draft is five. Because it's the Giants, because the Giants have a better have a better strength of schedule, so they'll move ahead of them. Arizona has four wins and Washington has four wins, so they'll still be ahead of them. But Tennessee and the Chargers both have be, uh, higher strength of schedules, and so therefore the Patriots will move yeah, back. But it's five. but it's close. They can close. still pick sixth. It's gonna right. it's gonna all come down to strength of schedule stuff here right. next week. That's gonna be the big tiebreaker. So I think what we'll end up doing is when we do our Wednesday show and we figure out what's going on, we'll give you guys a list of who we're rooting for and what actually helps the Patriots here because it's gonna get complex. I can tell you, we're doing this during the four o'clock games right now, and a Seattle win would help the Patriots yep. considerably. That's one of the big ones here. And the Cincinnati win, they're up at Kansas City, would also help the Patriots a ton. A Denver win so, also would help the Patriots. And Patriots the, legend, yeah. Lil' Jordan Humphrey, with an absolute monster catch and run for a touchdown uh, to, to give them the lead again. It's funny to watch little Jordan Humphrey go from number 83 to number 17, and he just looks like a faster player now. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? He looked so slow yeah. last year. 
Although I think they did ask him to play like hybrid tight end position. So he probably True. put on a weight as part of that. But um, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. No. So and, uh, the Charger, uh, uh, Denver. No, we, we want a Chargers win, right? No, we want a Denver win today. Because we played the Chargers, so we want the Chargers to have a worse schedule, to have a worse. But we play, um, we play Denver as well, and we want the Chargers to win, so they get out of a tiebreaker with us. I thought. Listen, all I know is that Tankathon tells me that they, we want Denver to win. I believe them. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to okay. me either, but that's what it says. So uh, Did maybe play one Denver, of those teams this year. Maybe because Denver played Washington. That's the only thing I can think of. Because we've played both those teams. Maybe Denver's played Washington. I don't know. Um. I'm pulling up Tankathon now. Yeah, I mean, they say Denver, so we'll root for Denver in this one. So there you um, go. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I'll, you got to, you know, that game against the Jets next week. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Right. And uh, now that's only, now, by the way, that's just for us against Washington. Now, I don't know how yeah. that impacts everyone else, of course. If the Chargers win, they get six, and so we're guaranteed a, so, a top six pick. But, you know, but in that situation, if they're losing, well, then we'll see what happens, you know. So yeah, it gets it gets complex in a hurry here. Um, so we'll we'll just kind of see what happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the Seattle Pittsburgh game is the big one. That's where we want Seattle, and they're not holding. Yes. they're not taking care of business so far. They are defense not. looks awful. Not. Yes, they. Um, yeah, but should we? Just, uh, it's seventeen yeah. fourteen, so it's close enough. Uh, Danny, by the way, I know it, it is confusing. I did um, I did tweet out like a list of all the games that of the rooting interest for us as far as the Patriots against, against Washington. So uh, if you're interested in seeing that, take a look and at Tankathon. it and, and kind of go from there. And Tankathon and does Tank- a really nice job of it. And Tankathon has a whole, like a whole page for it. What we're yeah. also doing while we're on this note, it's not the same thing, but for the schedule next year, I believe the Patriots are now locked into playing the chargers as their home game from the AFC West. And okay. then, for the AFC North, they're going to be playing either Pittsburgh or Cincinnati. We're down to that. And both of those teams are playing right now. They are tied. So um, could be either one of those teams. I think I'd rather play Pittsburgh than Cincinnati. So I think we want to root. I mean, yeah, I I, I, we got to. Who knows? That's yeah. the next year, too. Who the heck knows? You know what I mean? So yeah. um, uh, and, and then there's the NFC North as well, where three of the teams are still teams that we could play. Sure. Style. That's true. Yeah, I mean Chicago yeah, looked be great game. today. So who the heck knows? You know. Yeah, that's going to um, be. I think when we talk about the draft, that's one of the big questions here. Is Justin Fields looked genuinely good, right? And they're going to have they're locked into the number one pick now. That mm-hmm. is for sure. So what the Panthers are atrocious. The Panthers are the worst team in football. They are worse than the Patriots, and it isn't close either, which is insane. And and imagine but, uh, imagine you're that team. You traded away your number one wide receiver to get the quarterback who might be the guy, might not be the guy. Certainly doesn't look like the guy. He might be a good player, yeah. but he certainly isn't the guy. And, you know, it's now you're in a situation where you don't even have your number one pick, right? Your top pick is 33, and it's like that's just – it's brutal. Yeah, that's that's the worst situation in the NFL right now. Oh, yeah. uh, but Chicago – uh, they're going to have uh, what might be a 50-50 decision here on what they're doing at the quarterback spot. And I think depending on where New England ends up, that means a trade-up is going to be on the table. If they want to move to one, that pick might be for sale. And also, Fields might be for sale. And if the Patriots miss out on a quarterback they like and they like Fields, that could also be an option here. So right. uh, I think those look good. And you know, while we're talking possible QB options that are veterans, Kyler Murray looked pretty good today. He had a uh, 
nice little day for himself in Philadelphia. No punts for the Arizona offense against he did, sleeper I, agent Matt Patricia. Yeah, I know, kidding, right? I'll tell you what, man. It's uh, <laughs> it's just I, I can't even imagine <laughs> some of these things. I can't even imagine what what is going on through their heads. And Philly's got to be kicking themselves to not to not win that game. Of course, it's a good thing for the Patriots, but to not yeah. win that game. So, but we'll see. All right, Shout let's get out into to the refs for helping us out last night. Yeah, certainly helped us out last night. That's that's <laughs> um, that's disgusting. Like that was that's genuinely disgusting. I mean, you watch what happens, and look, you know, some people are blaming are blaming the uh, the Lions for getting too cute about it or having guys whatever. Taylor Decker walks over, like you see him walk over to the ref, Brad Allen is the ref's name, right? You see him walk over to Brad Allen, you see him do this. Yeah. He's standing That's in front of him. Going, for ineligible. This, yeah. Right. Saying, I am eligible. Yeah. And then the guy walks away and says, No, no, no. It was just number 70. Like, how do you possibly screw that up? And so the, the issue is that they say, Well, how come they didn't stop the play? Well, it's like, Well, maybe they thought he said 68 and 70. I don't know. Like, he just. Well, you know, I think I think what happened is that this is a substitution that Detroit does a ton, and when they bring the extra tackle in, he's always the eligible guy because they right. like to run six offensive linemen. I think the ref was just on autopilot, which is, on one hand, totally understandable. I think any of us that work a job know what that's like, to just go yep. into autopilot and make a mistake that way, uh, but also you can't, can't do. Have. And then the funny thing can't is have. that before all of that, Dallas should have won the game anyway because they called the tripping penalty on the wrong team and it would have given Dallas the first down that would have ended the game before any of this happened. Yeah. So just, yeah, it's just you see stuff like that. The level of incompetence is crazy. Things like this are like the number one reason why you can never convince me that things are rigged in the NFL because they're not competent enough to do that. And also, if you're going to rig a game, you're not going to wait until the very last play and then pretend to like not hear somebody and right. like that's that's not how you're going to rig a game if that's what you're trying to do. So no, I'm not I'm not doing the conspiracy theories on it. But um, banner another banner night for an NFL official. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So all right, you listen here. Let's get into this question because I think this leads really kind of well into what into our thing. Berg, who's friend of the show, we appreciate Berg. He's got a, he's got a good uh, good podcast as well, breaking the plane. Um, what are your thoughts of, of the idea floating around Twitter for Zappy to lead going into next year? I hate it, but the one, <laughs> thing I'll, the one thing I'll say is this, right? As bad as Zappy played today in the first half, and he was atrocious in the first half. I mean, just some of those interceptions were like, what the hell are you doing? I know Zolak tried to blame the first interception on Gasecki. It wasn't on Gasecki. That's just, oh, he, I, just, I think that was on Gasecki too. I'm, I'm, well, not fully, but like, I, I think, I think Zappi made a couple bad throws, but I also think his receivers played a big part in all three of the interceptions he threw. Not to take blame off of Zappi. I think he's a right. backup quarterback at best, but like, yeah, it was a but full team one, effort on all three. That picks. one to me, he just, he waited too long to throw it, in my opinion. The second one, Devontae Parker runs a lazy slant route. Everyone in the world knows what's coming. They, yeah. Zappi's just on, talk about autopilot. Zappi's just on autopilot throwing it. Right, yeah. and then the third one was a listen. The third one's a bad play by um, by Rager. Hundred percent should have seen the should have seen it coming. But if he ran a slant route on that play, that ball was seven yards behind him. I mean, it, it wasn't even close. I, so I, don't I know. think it was. I think it was supposed to be a curl. That's why what they've that doesn't make any sense to me. 
that's what they've done before on the hot read is you just convert a go into like a curl and you, you break it off short so the quarterback yeah. can just get it out to you. Uh, and they just didn't weren't on the same page about it. Uh, and going back to the Gasicki one for a second, just to explain myself, because Zappy was late on it, but right. the reason you sign Gasicki is because he's like a big body tight end with a frame who's supposed to be able to box guys out, and like that's how he makes his money. Right. And if you're being thrown a ball five yards, a quick hitter like that, usually it's gonna be in a contested area. Usually there's guys around you, and it's your job to make sure that you're either catching it or that ball's hitting the ground. And right. yeah, oh, there's no doubt. You, yeah. you can't, you got to box people out and you can't let somebody fight through you from behind to deflect it up into the air like that. That's my issue with him. Like it's, it's a, it's one of those plays, you know, all three of those plays, I think were ones where every single person contributed to it being a turnover. And, you know, they go with, they go into their, whether it's Zappy or any of those receivers, they go into their coaches meetings uh, on Monday and all of their coaches are going to be saying, you need to do this better. You can't do yeah. that. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I do agree with that point of it. Um, but look, I, I think the one thing you can say about Zappy is that, and look, it's just, it's really, honestly, it's just because we saw how bad Mac Jones was at the beginning of the year. But you saw what you see him do is he has really good pocket awareness. He does a really nice job of avoiding pressure. He did it all day today. Did a really nice job of avoiding pressure, keeping the play alive. It wasn't, they weren't, sensational plays they weren't like oh my god look at but like good plays he had a nice deep throw to jalen rager he had a nice you know intermediate throw to to um what's his name Devonte parker he had you know he had a few nice throws he had a nice downfield throw to demario douglas which in my opinion took a little bit too long to get there douglas probably should have come back for it a little bit but ended up you know he ended up dropping it after getting hit but you know to me he did enough where i can look at it and say he deserves to be the backup quarterback next year, or at least be able to fight to be the backup quarterback next year. And if you're at the top of the draft this year and you're at two or three and the two quarterbacks go one and two, I wouldn't hate drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. And, you know, theoretically running it, running it back with Zappy, I guess you're not going to win anything with Zappy, but like he's played well enough that you can, you can be like, all right, we're going to be mediocre next year. We're not going to be great, but we could be mediocre with better weapons. We could be okay. We could be probably, you know, an eight or nine win just, team. And I don't know if that's just, good enough. I don't know if that's what you want. I, I think, I think even eight or nine wins gets tough. And that's, you know, it's tough. It's tough to evaluate, you know, exactly what level he's at because of right. the issues around him in this yeah. offense. And, you know, we talk about it. It's some of it's, injuries i mean they were down your top tackle your top tight end your top receiver and your top running back today so acting like this is what this team was supposed to be too like that's is really unlucky that this is the position they've ended up in with injuries yeah. um but zappy like it's his resilience is really good he's able to hang on there i think his pocket presence has gotten genuinely good um and he's able to keep his eyes downfield while he's avoiding defenders which is a valuable trait to have as a backup uh, just to try to make things happen. I just, his accuracy isn't very good. His decision-making is still somewhat questionable. And, um, you know, it's he's not a guy you bank on. Um, if you, I think you can bring him into camp and get, let him compete for a backup job against a more established veteran that you bring in. But as we've talked about before, if you're drafting somebody, Zappy's gunning for a starting job, and I don't think that's a great situation for people to be in where the guy's gunning for your job even though you were the number two overall pick or whatever, when you come in, I don't think that's the healthiest situation that for people. I, that involved. I agree with. 
Yeah. And it's if, if he's played decently like this, you might be able to trade him too and get a, especially in camp. If he looks good in camp next year, but you want to just stick with two QBs and he isn't one, ship him out for like a fifth round pick or something like that before the season starts if somebody's looking for something. Um, but yeah, no. And it's, you know, we saw the bad of Zappy today. Um, that some of those picks were obviously at least partially on him and it's his yeah. job. It's even if it's not his fault, it's his responsibility. He needs to make sure he's making the plays on time. and needs to make sure everybody's on the same page that falls on him. And that was right. disappointing at points today. Um, but you know, it, when the offensive line was breaking down and the receivers weren't making plays, he was still putting balls up and letting guys play and battling back and, it's it's honestly it's outside of a couple plays. It's funny how much this game felt like the game in Buffalo last year. Like it yeah. felt very similar, and that's kind of crazy because this is a much worse Patriots team than the one that went into Buffalo last year. And I think it says a lot more about where Buffalo's at right now than where New England is at. Yeah, I but uh, yeah, I, it's so it, to me it's just so funny because you know and, and Zach Noel Randolph is saying you know that Zappy's much better than Mac, and it's ridiculous so it took this long to get him starting. And like I don't dis, it's impossible to disagree with that at this point. The problem is that you've seen really good on a Mac Jones, and I I believe, just in my opinion, that the way Mac Jones played in 2021 clears what Billy Zappi has done this year. Now maybe he had better receivers in 2021. I don't I don't know if that's necessarily true, but maybe he had better weapons in 2021. But like to me, Mac Jones in 2021 is a better quarterback than Bailey Zappi in 2023. The problem is, is that Mac Jones in 2023 was not Mac Jones in 2021. That's the biggest issue that I have is that Mac Jones, whatever happened, he just lost it. He doesn't have it anymore. Whatever the case may be, there's no doubt that Zappi should be starting right now of 100%, and you need to move on from Mac Jones. But I think when you're talking about the two of those guys playing at their peak, I think the better quarterback is Mac Jones, and I think he's shown that to you. The problem is that he he's nowhere near his peak right now, and that's that's the issue that yeah. you're dealing with. But it's also it's kind of it's easy to say with hindsight that Zappy should have been the guy starting, but they also haven't produced a lot more on offense with Zappy in there than when Mac was in there. And it's kind of crazy how fast things went poorly with Mac. But you got the Raiders game where he drops a diamond to Devontae Parker that he drops and. You know, if he catches that ball, we might be talking about that differently. He's got the Bills game, which big picture may have been his best game in New England. Uh, yeah. When you consider the context and everything, and that was that was October, that was right, barely two months ago now. And then a game against Washington, where he fits a ball into a tight spot to Juju Smith-Schuster and off his hands, and it's a pick, and that's not on him. You have the Miami game in there where he had that bad pick to Jalen Ramsey, but it is a Miami defense that has mostly played very well as of late, and that was Ramsey's first game back. I think that was something new for them that he didn't adjust too well. And then that's when you get the the Colts game. Yeah. Um, and that's where happens. things... Yeah, and the Giants game, and it was like, okay. But that, I mean, that was a very short time span where he went from maybe his high, the highest of highs in New England that he's had to getting benched. And well, yeah. I think it's, it's again, like I said, easy to say in hindsight it should have been Zappy. I think it's the easiest thing to say here is that it kind of didn't matter which one of these quarterbacks it was because neither of them was getting you to the playoffs. Neither of them was getting you to what we thought this could be this year. And uh, yeah. They should be in position to draft somebody anyway. <laughs> well, I think it's going to be, it's just an interesting thing. I mean, you look at, you know, you look at the the Eagles game 
Right, that that third and twelve throw to Kendrick Bourne might be the best throw that any Patriots quarterback has made all year long, and Kendrick Bourne just drops it. Right, I mean that's that's and the, the only one I can think of that might be better is the one he threw to Kendrick Bourne on the the fade or the go against Miami a week later that was also dropped. Right, right. That's, yeah. yeah. So it's just uh, tough. And look, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that the, that the players are playing better for for Bailey Zappi. There's no doubt that Zappi has produced. I think what you know. They haven't produced a ton more points, but they've produced as far as big plays and things like that are concerned. They've produced more with Zappy under center than they produced with Mac all year. And so, mm-hmm. to me, you know, th- there's no doubt that Zappy is the right guy to be starting right now. But to say that, like, to say that you know Mac should have never been given leeway or whatever is to me is a little disingenuous, just because of how the how the season started, right, and how they how they started playing. Um, and how they played really for a year and a half. And I know last year struggled, but you know, again, last year you thought, was it, was it Matt Patricia? Was it the offense? Was it, you know, so you didn't really know. And that's one of the biggest problems is that last year, you know, was a loss. Like it, it, you had a lost season last year. And that's the biggest thing that sucks is that you look back on what's happened and you just think, man, like if they, if they had just had a competent offense last year, you're easily in the playoffs, and now you have a better idea about who Mac Jones is, and instead you come into this year really not knowing who Mac Jones was uh, and saying, all right, we can give him one more year. And then, you know, now you have to wait half the year to figure out, no, he's not the guy. we got to move on. It just, you know, and, that, and to go with really that with basically And basically every question mark you had, you know, goes the wrong way. You, you, you swap out your receivers and you try to upgrade that and that doesn't work out for you. Although Demario Douglas seems to be the guy they were kind of hoping Juju would be as a slot player. Right. So I think in some ways that ended up being okay. Devontae Parker has not played like the guy that they gave extra money to. Say the uh, least. They had, if they tried to address offensive tackle, they've had four offensive tackles end up on injured reserve this year. And that's not including Trent Brown and his whole situation. <laughs> You've right. got Cole Stranger you're counting on who is now on injured reserve. And you've got you know, Hunter Henry out. I'm kind of surprised he didn't go on injured reserve. Ramondre is on injured reserve. Kendrick Bourne tears his ACL. And, you know, basically every everything you were counting on to go right for the situation around the quarterback on offense went wrong. And yeah. that's life in the NFL. I think that sometimes just happens. They've gotten right. uh, very unlucky in a couple of respects these last two seasons with that stuff. And, Got to find a way to turn it around. Um, uh, when, it, when it comes to the the coaching and, and how we evaluate Bill Belichick, I actually I thought the team was very well prepared and showed good effort for this game. And the fact that this was a close game is a testament to the coaching. Get a big play on special teams where they make something happen. Yeah. Basically, all of the, the turnovers, the three picks were on oh, lack of execution on simple things. And that's... 100%. That's not, I mean, that's at some point, it's just on the players. It's not really on the coaches. Like, they sometimes guys just make bad plays. Pharaoh Brown with a fumble. Um, that was like, that's just brutal. Unlucky. Yeah. Like, that's not uh, on the coaches. And the defensive game plan I thought was fantastic. And they held in there as long as they could with all the bad situations they got put in. Bill O'Brien, I thought, called a really good game offensively, too. I thought the, the screens that they called were working. They had some good misdirection stuff in there to counter the the Bills' blitzes. And I thought today was pretty much the perfect example of the coaching on this team is quality. Um, and the players are not able to execute this stuff because they aren't that good. And the, mostly are not the players we expected to be in these spots. The defense was fantastic today. They were fantastic today. 
They no Jabril Peppers. Right. They allowed seven points. Seven. Now, I understand. I do understand that that technically they allowed 20 points, right? But, you know, two of those drives started inside the 15. One of those drives started at the 30, right? And so one of them was a touchdown. Two of them were field goals. Fine. But then you look at it and say, okay, well, what did you do when the Bills and then, of course, a pick six? They scored 27 total points. So 20 points come off of turnovers. When the Bills had to actually go on a drive, they scored one touchdown. And that, to me, is incredible. And so when you you talk about having your back against the wall, right? I mean, what, the Bills – the Bills had picked up two first downs and Josh Allen hadn't completed a pass and the Patriots losing 13 to seven. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So when you look at it in that, in that situation, you think about how well the defense played when you put it into perspective and yes, they couldn't get a stop at the end of the game. Fine. But like, my goodness, like they, they played their butts off again without your peppers without some key pieces Alex Austin's out there starting for them at, at corner, right? Like, That's, they, yeah, Alex Austin and Sean Wade alternating, having to play under the Bills got out there. And I mean, like, did you what notice? <laughs> and I thought yeah, Alex it, Austin played well, played and, right. and it's a guy that deserves yeah. a roster spot next year. You know, on that pick, that was like an Ed Reed moment. On that Great pick, play. the way he wheeled around, uh, and it's a, Alex Austin, obviously not Ed Reed, but super impressive stuff there. Marty Mapu was on that coverage as well. Because yep. uh, that if safety isn't there, Mapu breaks that up anyway. He was smothered. I also just a comment on that play it didn't impact the outcome, but the Bills called like a shot play, a play action deep shot to try to hit a big play. They pulled Stephon Diggs off the field for it. They don't have good receivers. Why so are you? Good. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand what they're doing there. Um, but yeah, you look at the numbers. Bills only had three more first downs than the Patriots. That it was nineteen to sixteen. Patriots outgained them. Patriots had five point five yards per play to Buffalo's four point one. Patriots were much much more efficient moving the ball, and you know, both sides get the defensive or special teams touchdown. You know the pick six and the kick return touchdown. What it came down to was was the the other couple turnovers and the points that they turned into. That was the difference in this game, and that's kind of been the story for the Patriots is they got. I mean, they, they got guys who can make big plays. Jalen Rager, obviously the kickoff return. But outside of that, he also had the big deep deep shot he caught. Devontae Parker made some really nice plays today. Both of them targeted on interceptions and not making quality plays on those. And that's been the story of the Patriots the last two, three years, is they got guys who can make plays. They don't have guys who can make plays without also having really bad negative plays in there as well. Right. It's tough. And it's... That's one of those hard things that, you know, you just, unfortunately, you're just, you're kind of, you're at where you're at right now, right? And there's not much you can do um, with the guys that you have. So, all right, let's take a quick break. I do want to get, we have to, I want to talk a little bit more about, about Belichick because I do think that that's, that that's a conversation, but I think part of that conversation that's going to go along is not just Belichick, but also the way the defense is played. And specifically the young guys, you look at that at their front seven and the way Barmore has come along, the way Anthony Jennings continues to play in the running game, the way Keon White has really come along lately, um, you know, and and now you start to wonder, is Belichick leaving actually the right thing? And so we'll get into that and we'll kind of go from there. Um, I know people are upset, Mr. or Mrs. Snoopy, or I don't know, I'm not sure who it is. Clearly very upset. Yeah. Um, but look, 
I get it. I understand. I know we think Robert Kraft is super cheap, except he spent the most, you know, guaranteed money in NFL history a few years ago, but that doesn't matter. But either way, uh, let's let's take a break and then we'll come back. All right. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. MA21 plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pre-game money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling help line ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, nice. So, uh, all right, Matt, you said you had a stat for me, a, a Josh Allen stat. Let's hear it. Yeah, I want to. This is courtesy of Alex Barth, who just who just tweeted this out. So we'll, we'll play a, a little a little game with you. I'm going to give you two stat lines, oh, and God. I want you to figure out what what games we're talking about here. One of them, the quarterback goes 15 of 30, 145 yards, one touchdown, and 39 yards on the ground. The okay. other game. He goes 15 of 30, 169 yards, a pick, 11 carries for 44 yards, and two QB sneak touchdowns. Any idea what these two games are? Uh, is that the two Josh Allen games against the Patriots this year? <laughs> One of them is the Josh Allen game against the Patriots this year. That is the, the game with 169 yards and the pick and the two QB sneaks. The other one with very similar numbers is Josh Allen against the Patriots in the wind game in 2021. Unbelievable. Oh. Which do you remember how we felt about the Patriots defense after that playoff game against the bills and how it felt like, you know, we had no answer for Josh Allen and that was going to be the hump to get over in this division. I, that, that has changed. That is not how we feel anymore. <laughs> right. No. And the, the bills are good, but Josh Allen, yeah is way too up and down for me to to ever really be that guy. The problem with Josh Allen is that his highs are so high that you you get tantalized by that high. But the problem is is that he's just not he's not that good. He's he's not that consistently good. And I don't know if you can ever win a championship with it with him. Now, if he can play perfect in the right in the postseason, you could because he has those. But the problem is that part of the reason why he's so good is because he plays out of control at times. And so you kind of yeah. want to let him be that guy, but then at the same time, it's like, man, I don't know. It, it's yeah. it's rough. Well, his, um, and his teammates really let him down today. A ton of drops. Uh, oh, yeah. And I think yeah. I think you can see Stefan Diggs is not the same guy he was two years ago. He's still good, but he's not He's like a top 15 receiver, not a top five receiver at this point. And, you know, the other guys around him got a couple tight ends who should be good, but they're, you know, up and down. And Gabe Davis is a wide receiver three, maybe 
And outside of that, it's a whole bunch of just bodies that we're seeing. Like Khalil Shakir has his moments, but uh, and it's I think that's one of the things that's made the AFC in particular so interesting this year is that. Okay, the, the two best quarterbacks are still Josh Allen and Mahomes in the or you know Lamar Jackson's up there, but two of the best are Allen and Mahomes, and they they also have two of the worst supporting casts in terms of weapons. We've seen them both kind of diminish from what they were two years ago, and that's right. really shaken up the standings. Well, Lamar's gonna Lamar is is most likely gonna win gonna win MVP. That's most right. likely, right? Especially after the last two weeks. Not only after the last two weeks, but the fact that Tyreek Hill and Christian McCaffrey both didn't have great games. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I I just don't know. Like, look what happened with Lamar this year. They went out and got OBJ. They went out and drafted Say Flowers in the first round. They have Rashad Bateman, who they drafted in the first round a few years ago. So, and he's finally healthy. So, like, they signed Nelson Aguilar. They signed Nelson Aguilar, who again isn't great, but as your fourth receiver is pretty good, right? And so that's the thing for me. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. So what, one one comment I just want to get to here, and, and it, look, it just – Are we doing whatever. this lesson again? Okay. <laughs> but no, but I just – but here is – okay. I, I, again, not renewing season tickets since 95. I'm sorry to see you go. Uh, they're not going to have an empty stadium, but that's okay. But I, I understand you're upset. I get it. You want Belichick gone because he hasn't won a Super Bowl without Brady. Fine. He's the worst GM in the history of the league. Okay, cool. No, the worst GM of all time. I get it. 100%. Totally, totally 100%. Tom Brady, listen, the only reason, you got to understand something. The only reason the Patriots ever won was because of Tom Brady, right? Because their their offense always dominated every game, right? Now, that's 100% true. The last Super Bowl, Tom Brady threw for like 700 yards, five mm-hmm. touchdowns, and they killed the Rams like 75 to, oh, wait a second. Well, that's not true at all. They beat the Rams 13 to 3, and the Rams couldn't score and move the ball. But wait, but that was wait. So that means the defense, oh, the defense played really well. Okay. And the year before, they lost the Super Bowl because the defense didn't play really. Oh, right. Because Tom Brady did really well, but the defense didn't play well. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's it. So it's just funny how like it, it, it was almost like it was both of game. them. It's well, a team game. I, and that well, I it think just, the idea. And look, I think the idea that the stadium is going to be empty is also crazy because we're right. looking at them having the top pick and being able to add offensive talent. Um, like, there's people are going to want to see them. They have, they're going to have a really good defense and returning offensive weapons and a high draft pick and a huge media market. We're still going to get primetime games because of that. The stadium is right. not going to be empty next year, right? And again, it, it's the the big thing for me when you talk about Bill Belichick, and I'm starting to. I'm starting to be okay with him coming back next year. Now, I do agree that there are things. Oh, Murph, Murph, uh, Murph wants your seats. If you give them up, you can just give them to Murph. Uh, but, but I do agree that we have to do something differently offensively, right? Something has to change offensively, and whether that means you get a new GM and Bill kind of steps away from that GM role, whether you have an offensive coordinator that says. I'm building my offense the way I want to build it. And Bill, you're here, and I want you to be the head coach, and that's great. This is the offense that we're building. Not Bill O'Brien, who is telling Malik Cunningham and Jalen Milrow that they can't play quarterback. Okay? 
like a guy that's in the 21st century, a guy that's that sees what the offense can do and sees what they can become. Now, I'm not saying you have to become the Baltimore Ravens offensively, but it wouldn't be such a bad thing, I don't think. And so, but that's what I want. The thing is that this team's playing so damn hard, so damn yeah. hard for Belichick, right? Like, they're playing their asses off. This defense and the defensive scheme that they've built are incredible. They're incredible. Yeah. They're down all of their guys. Everyone's hurt. Right. And so, and that's, that's the idea for me. Okay. That's the idea for me. Um, and, and then, so, and, which, and, is, which is yeah, fine, yeah. you know, and you listen to, I mean, you listen to, uh, the name is Marco, uh, Wilson, Marco who they Wilson, just yeah. picked up, gets to new England. He's like, I'm so excited to be here. I love these coaches. Like this is a dream come true to be here. And I think you, you hear guys say that and that that should resonate because that yeah. that's the, the cachet that Bill Belichick still has with the players, despite some of the the losses and the issues that we've seen, that is how players right. respect him. And it's not going to be every player, and it never was every player because his style doesn't fit everybody. But it doesn't need to. His style needs to fit the fifty three on the active roster, the guys in the practice squad, and the coaches and scouts in the building. That's that's what matters. Right. Um, and yeah, they and you know it's. Nobody in that building is happy with how things have gone. Um, Ian, I think Ian Rappaport's reporting yesterday um, was also that Kraft still hasn't decided. He's sought outside counsel. It's very much 50-50 on how things are going to go. And the emphasis was not wanting it to be like Brady going out. Um, like he wanted to make sure the situation is handled with respect and that, you know, everybody's working together to get to the right solution here and everybody's on the same page. And I think that is 100%. The right okay. way to handle it, and I don't. So, I don't think you need to bring Bill back. I think there are very valid reasons to move on from Bill Belichick right now, but I think that there aren't at least somewhat equally valid reasons to keep him. I think is crazy. I think right. there's a lot of a lot of proper ways forward. Well, and so this is this is really the point, Jimmy B. And you're totally right, Jimmy B. The Cardinals are playing hard. They beat the Eagles today. You're right. Guys are playing for themselves. The Cardinals are in a very unless, different situation. Than the Browns. The Cardinals have a rookie quarterback, I'm sorry, have a rookie head coach and a quarterback that they've been talking about getting moved. He's trying to prove that he's the guy. By the way, he's a superstar or should be a superstar quarterback. And they have a rookie head coach that, yes, they're playing hard for, but like they're not as focused on the draft pick. You're talking about Bill Belichick's been there for 25 years. You think that like, if they were truly sick of Belichick and they truly didn't want him there anymore, it'd be super easy to quit. It'd be super yeah. easy to quit on this team. You're not in this situation where you have this superstar quarterback who's really trying to kind of come back and look great and do this and do it. You, you're not, you're in a very, very different situation than the Arizona Cardinals. And here's what I'll say. Okay. And, and, and I don't know what's going to happen because maybe Belichick should be gone and maybe that should be the case. I don't know. I really don't. But I'll just caution you. I want a young guy. I don't want – get freaking Jim Harbaugh out of my goddamn face, dude. Get that guy the hell out of here. Like, I, I'm just I'm, – I'm all set with that guy, okay? Like he's, he, no, you know, he's going he's gonna to win tomorrow, and then he's going to win the national championship and then come to New England and right. win a and I just, Bowl I in his first year. I want nothing, nothing to do with that guy. But here's the thing. I want a young coach. 
I want a young offensive coordinator and I want a young head coach if we're moving on from Belichick. And maybe maybe that young head coach is Gerard Mayo. I don't know. But here's what I'll say. You might get Sean McVay. You might get Mike McDaniel. You might get Brandon Staley. So, like, just be careful. Adam Gaze. <laughs> just be careful because if you want to move it's on from someone, and, and, I'm, and again, that might be the right call. But you're not guaranteed you're going to get a really good head coach just because the guy's young. You're just not. Yeah. Ben Johnson, no, maybe maybe he'll be really good. Maybe he won't. We you don't, don't know. I'll, I'll throw. If we're doing the coaching, I'll throw a couple other names out there that I I just think should be in the conversation here too. I think Jed Fish is one. Yep. The head coach at Arizona, who they just put together a great season there. Three. He's been there for three years now. He spent a season in New England as the quarterbacks coach back in 2020. He spent time with Sean McVay. Uh, working with quarterbacks in Los yep. Angeles. He was an offensive coordinator for the Jaguars before. Uh, he's bounced around a ton, but he's risen up the ranks pretty quickly here and has connections in New England. Um, so it's another name that might be uh, one that you'll hear. Um, Canellis is another one, the offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers, who I think has done a really good job and wouldn't shock me if he gets some interviews here in the mm. coming weeks. Uh, that's an offense that I think has outperformed what a lot of people thought it would. And um, he might be this offseason, what Ben Johnson was last offseason, as a guy who's going to get looked at and he's going to get interviews, but he might not leave. Um, those are some other names. And I think it's totally appropriate to look at other things. And um, I think there's a lot of ways you can move forward. And a lot of this is going to be based on how you handle the QB situation. I don't think you necessarily need like an offensive-minded head coach or anything like that. I actually don't even think he necessarily needs to be young. I think what you do need is the infra the proper infrastructure there in the coaching staff to develop a young quarterback. And that's also going to depend on which quarterback they end up acquiring for next season. There's a couple of different ways they can go with this. And you need to make sure that your coaching matches what's coming in. Um, that could be Bill O'Brien. It's going to depend on what player we're looking at. I don't think it necessarily right. is. And, uh, you know, it's not like we haven't seen Bill Belichick have great environments for offenses before. We were all here in, you know, 2007 and 2010 and 2011 and 2012 and 2014 and 2016. And even right. the 03 and 04 offenses that were very productive. He's been, uh, we've seen the offensive coaches who have come through New England and immediately gotten jobs elsewhere too because of working here. So, mm -hmm. um, I think it's very, very possible. I even argue likely to a degree that they can set up a circumstance like that. It's not about can they, it's whether they pick the right guys. And that's always going to be incredibly risky. If there were, if there were an easy way to say, just hire this head coach and you'll be fine. Everybody right. would be doing it. Um, and that's what makes this difficult. So I don't, it's why I think it's, it's best to, to handle this, um, handle a situation like this with a lot of understanding because it's very, very complex. Um, and we're not as fans and outsiders here unless things get reported or leaked. We're not going to know the intricate details of what's going on. And um, I don't know, the crafts have, have basically only hired good head coaches in New England. Even the ones that didn't work in New England were good head coaches yeah. elsewhere. Right. And they've had winning years since they got here. This was not a very good team when they bought it. And it's been a very good team since they bought it. So I have faith that they're going to turn this into something good. Uh, whether that happens next year, two years, three years remains to be seen. Yeah. And so look, I don't know what the, I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know what they should do. I do think that we could, that we could trust 
trust in in Robert Kraft that he's going to put the time into it, that he's going to really do or try to do what's best for the team. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to work out, but they've done a pretty nice job, as you said. And so I think that we can look at it and and see that. Now, here's what I'll say, okay? Here's, here's what I'll say. Someone mentioned, you know, offensive coaches, are the only coaches that are good in the, in the NFL. Not only good, but of course, like most of the teams, the best team in football right now, the best team in football right now, I think, and it, I don't think it's particularly close to the Baltimore Ravens. Their coach is a former special teams coach. He's not an offensive coach. He's a defensive coach. And so it, it's that that's one of those issues that I have is that, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be an offensive coach. And, and that's, and so again, it's it right in Houston too with, and that's yeah. a perfect example. That's a perfect yeah. example. A young guy who came in, but the key is, is that he had, you have to have a good offensive coordinator. If you're a defensive coach, you have to have a good offensive coordinator and you have to get the hell out of his way and say, you do what you got to do. And we'll work. Look, Belichick was was never an offensive coach. He learned the offense through being here, right? Mm-hmm. And so you kind of you could do the same thing with a guy like Mayo. But again, I don't know if Mayo's the right guy or not. But he could be. I, I don't know. I'd have no issue with that if that's the way they want to go with it. I think that's totally uh, an acceptable option here. Um, and right. it's the infrastructure is what matters. It's you got to have the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and the position coaches on that side of the ball all on the same page about what you want to do going forward. And, um, you know, we talk about evaluating this stuff. It's tough to give anything. It's tough to give Bill O'Brien anything other than an incomplete with what we've seen this year. If we're going to grade him, it's been so strange and up and down. We've seen really good. We've seen bad. There's been guys in and out of the lineup. Um, so it hasn't been good, but it's also hard to figure out how much of that's on him. And then, the offensive line coach was supposed to be a big deal for them this year. And Adrian Clem has been away from the team now dealing with health issues. Right. So, I mean, how do you evaluate that going forward? That's, yeah. and that's a, it's a kind of a rhetorical question here because we don't know the answer. And I'm assuming nobody in the chat knows the answer, unless we got somebody from the front office in here watching us. And if so, right. welcome. Right. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, the only way we're going to know is based on the actions that they take. We're going to have to use that to, to judge what they think about this and yeah. and go forward with it. Because, you know, if you want guys on the same page, I, you, there's an argument to say that Adrian Clem and, and what they've done with the offensive line coaching has been all right because they figured out when they've gotten like somewhat healthy, guys have worked well. And we've seen a couple of the rookies here come in and play decently. And we've seen all Wenu be good at multiple spots and that's all usually signs of good coaching and they've gotten better throughout the year which is a sign of good coaching mm-hmm. um we've seen parts of the offense get better i think wide receiver coach for we're in agreement is a spot that you want to change an offensive coordinator is a spot that i think you could change offensive line coach is a spot you could change but they end up bringing back a couple of these guys i can get on board with that too right it just means you know you got to be right uh it has to start turning into wins at some point yeah well, and that's and look, I I just think that you know it's it's hard, right? And to say Kraft doesn't care, I mean, look, you can say a lot of things, and I know that the the Boston media will tell you that Robert Kraft is incredibly cheap. The Boston media will tell you that, right? Now, meanwhile, Bill Belichick, it, it's not being disclosed how much Bill Belichick makes as a head coach. Bill Belichick makes a lot as a, like a lot, a lot, a lot as a head coach, but you know, Robert Kraft doesn't doesn't pay any money, never. Never pays anyone any money. But, you know, I just, 
for me personally, it, it becomes a situation where, yes, you have to spend money. They haven't spent a ton of money lately, and they have to. And if you go into this offseason and they don't spend a lot of money this year, okay, now I'm okay. I'm all right criticizing the team about that 100%. Um, but that's okay. You know, that's that's all right. And and I just, you know, it becomes one of those situations. Um, you know, and, and look, it's, it, it's yeah. it, I'm not saying that Robert Kraft is a perfect owner. I'm not saying that, that you know, what he's done here it has is excused and that he is not is not to blame at all because he is a hundred percent partially to blame for sure. You know, I don't know if did Kraft sign off on a big contract for um you know for for Brady. And you know, did did Bill just not want to pay I don't know, right? I don't want to go back on that road. But but again it becomes a situation where what exactly are are they doing? What exactly are they looking at? And th- those are the things that, I, that you just don't know, have the answer to, right? And I will tell you, I do believe that he wants to win. I mean, they... Right? Kraft, I don't know. Kraft got personally involved in the coaching staff for this season to make changes and put out statements. Like, he cares about winning. That He was a fan before he was an owner. I think to say Kraft right. doesn't care is an absolutely ludicrous take, not based in any evidence of right. what we've seen about him as a person throughout three decades of owning the team. Uh, right. I think he's been very consistent with caring about them. And that's clear both from his personal presence at games, the way he interacts with the team and the players and the coaching staff, his PR statements, his actions before owning the team. It's all very consistent. Somebody who cares a lot about winning. Um, yeah, no, they've, this, they've always thrown money around when they needed to. Um, yeah. They're not, this, this isn't the Red Sox. Um, like they're not, this isn't that type of situation where it looks like they're trying to find ways out of spending money. Yeah, they just quite frankly, they've spent money when they've had money to spend, and when they haven't, they really haven't had players where you're trying to like finagle money around. Usually, a lot of the cat, the high cash spending teams are teams that are signing a lot of their own draft picks back and are spending a lot of money and finagling the cap because you do a right. lot of it in upfront money, and they haven't had guys good enough and teams good enough. To right. justify doing that well, and restructuring players, the, the other, happen. the other issue, the other issue for me is that you can call Belichick a bad GM if you want, and that's okay. You're wrong, but that's okay if you want to do that. There's no doubt that he's done a, a poor job of evaluating offensive talent in the last ten years. There's no doubt. There's yeah. no doubt about that, right? That he hasn't. He has done. A, he's done a poor job of doing that. But the other part of it for me is that. I also think that, you know, part of it becomes what were they trying to do? What were they what were they trying to do? The the part of the time they were trying to like build up and they said, okay, we have to draft this guy. They didn't draft Lamar Jackson in 2018 because they're trying to win a freaking Super Bowl. Like yeah, a backup quarterback that year, doesn't help you win a freaking Super Bowl. Okay. And so yeah. I get it. I understand. Now, did they draft the right wide receiver? They needed a wide receiver. Did they draft a right wide receiver? Uh, running back, I'm sorry? No, they didn't. Did Sony Michelle rush for six touchdowns in the playoffs? And did he help them win the Super Bowl? Yes. Now, again, that doesn't mean he was the right pick. But you can't sit here awesome. and tell me they should have drafted Lamar Jackson in the first round of 2018 because they were trying to win a freaking Super Bowl. 
And drafting and a backup quarterback in the first round isn't going to do that for you. And that's the type of stuff where it's like we can second-guess their decisions back and forth and go. But, like, they were trying to win the damn Super Bowl, and they won the freaking Super Bowl either way. And so, like, yeah. it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But well, you know, they and did, also, they, did they did they miss they, out on some guys? They did. They missed out on some guys. They should have. They should have. You know, they should have had tight ends, and they should have had more offensive linemen. But then again, they drafted one in that year, and it didn't it didn't work. But like, it's just one of those issues that you know, I, I get it. I understand, and I know we're upset. But like, let's not pretend like the Patriots weren't trying to win Super Bowls. Well, like they. The, the pretty consistent thing here is that they've just evaluated wrong. They've tried to fix the offense. They just got the wrong guys, and that happens. Um, right. You know, you draft wide receivers high, and they missed on them. And that's – they the front office deserves criticism for that, and they have gotten a lot of criticism for yep. that. And it, if it's 50-50 right now, and if that's going to get them fired at the end of the day. So don't – like, that's that's what we're coming down to here. Um, the flip side of it is, like, this last draft that they had is probably Bill's best draft in a long time so far with what we saw today, even, you know, mm-hmm. Christian Gonzalez has looked fantastic when he was in there. Keon white, I think has had maybe back to back now, two of his best games of the season, uh, just impacting stuff. Marty Mapu with peppers out has stepped up and played very, very well doing what yep. they've asked him to do. City. So looks like probably a starter at guard that they found there. That also fixes your tackle problem with Onwenu in theory that should fix your, the entire right side of your offensive line right there. Um, and Demario Douglas looks like a good wide receiver. That's the best wide receiver that Bill has drafted in a while. And he's, you know, setting rookie right. receiving records here in New England for the franchise. So, um, yeah. And it's, you know, there we'll see what happens in free agency here. But in theory, I think you can come back with four of your, four of your same offensive linemen and try to address left tackle. I think if you bring back Bourne and Douglas and, I don't know what else you want to do with the depth of the wide receiver. You can kind of throw whoever you want in there and you're able to get a wide receiver in this draft or sign somebody. You can look a lot better. And yeah, they, I, that's what we said. It feels like this team has a ton of complementary pieces and it just needs the stars to make it work. Unfortunately, right. those are the hardest players to find. Uh, but it's also hard, harder to find those guys when you've been winning as much as they have and picking uh, deeper into the draft. Um, you know, and they've missed on some of those guys. Nobody's going to deny that. So, uh, right. whether it's Bill as the GM or somebody else else as the GM, the strategy here clearly is going to be to try to rebuild the offense and throw a lot of draft capital there. And you got to hope that they're, they're, whoever making the call there um, is making the right decisions. That's what this is probably going to come down to in the next two three years. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And so we'll see. I think I think the long story short is that we'll see. And people asking about extensions, we'll talk about that. Barmore, I think, is an easy guess. Kyle Duggar is a little bit more complicated. We can talk about that kind of as we go. Uh, but I know there's there's a comment in here too about how Bill won with generational talents. Give me a coach that didn't win with generational talents. The 49ers and the Ravens right now. The Ravens have a freak athlete quarterback who's also excellent in the pocket throwing the ball. And the 49ers have like five Pro Bowlers at their skill positions and like a Hall of Fame left tackle there to, right. to make that work. It's a team sport. It's yeah. all got to come together and right. it's got to be, you got to, you got to make it work for in a number of ways. You don't, you don't win Super Bowls without generational players. I don't know the, the last, the last team that won. What's the last time a team won the Super Bowl without elite players? The only one I can think about is maybe the Ravens in 2012. It's the only one that comes to mind. And they had that, guys that playing it crazy. Yeah. But they had to tell Ed Reed and Ray Lewis. 
right. at the end of their careers. They still had those two, and they they had Joe Flacco playing like he was that guy for that that four game stretch there. So like that's yeah, he played like it. Um, so right. yeah, it's that's they awesome. just got to get got to get more of those guys, and that's going to start with whether it's pick two, three, four, five, six, whatever, making sure you you need a kind of at minimum Pro Bowl. Offensive player, I think, out of that pick. I agree. Couldn't agree more. And so we'll see what happens. Yeah. Ultimately, we'll just we'll kind of see where they go from here. But changes are coming. And again, yeah. whether it's you know whether it's um, you know whether it's coaching changes, whether it's player changes, I I don't know. But I I will tell you, I just don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what's going to yeah. happen. I, I just look. Right now, and and defensively, by the way, the Patriots right now are incredible defensively. And again, do they have the best players in the world? No, but they are incredible defensively. Again, I yeah. just to remind you, and I said this already, but just to remind you, the Bills scored twenty points off of turnovers. Twenty points off of turnovers. They scored twenty-seven total. So, you know, and seven of those were was a pick six. So, like. The Patriots held them in check the entire game. Again, like you said, they outgained the Bills in this game, right? So, like, which so wild. They had what two first downs and thirteen points. So, like, it's it's That's, incredible. And Josh yeah, Allen yeah, hadn't even completed a pass, and they had scored thirteen points. So, like, you, I, it's just incredible. you get a you can upgrade your skill positions at all and get more consistency. I think just better better injury lock will help you out, and you get a better decision maker consistently at quarterback, right. and that alone. Right. Uh, will make a monumental impact on the ability to win games. Because this is, yet again, another one-score loss for New England. Yep. Um, and they just, yep. it's, it's how it's been. They only have, they got a whole bunch of one-score losses. You got the two-score ones to Miami and Kansas City, two teams that uh, are very good <laughs> teams. And the two blowouts against Dallas and New Orleans, where things got out of hand really fast with your quarterback play and game script and um you know, people don't bring up in that Saints game that Demario Douglas got injured in his first catch and got concussed against a team yeah. that was played a ton of right. man defense in New Orleans and you couldn't separate. It was really bad luck there. And um, here's here's a stat for you, Pat. There there are only two day one starters in the New England offense, or not day one, but like kind of projected starters from the offseason in the New England offense who have not missed multiple games due to injury this year. Do you know who the two are? Uh, David Andrews. That's one of them. And multiple games, you said? Yeah, we're talking day one. Day one starters. What? Hunter Henry? He's missed the last two games. Oh, he missed the last two games. I thought he just missed that game. The answer is Mac Jones is the other one. Mac Jones. Oh, yeah, the injury. I guess that's a good point. And he was was benched. That's that's where they're in with offense. I mean, you give me... Can you give me any team in the NFL that's going to do that and play up to right. expectations? It's been really horrendous there. And you know, part of it is your evaluations of guys. You know, you got Hunter Henry, who's had his injury issues, and Trent Brown, who's had injury issues. But right. you know, Cole Strange right. isn't a guy you flag that. Michael Wenu isn't. Kendrick Bourne certainly hasn't been. Right. Mario Douglas has gotten concussed multiple times and has taken like three or four headshots this season without any of them getting flagged. Yeah. Uh, he's just, you know, apparently had one today. Uh, another stat on that, because Demario Douglas got mugged and didn't get past interference on a play. And I don't know what happened on that one. 
Patriots yeah. have gained like less expected points on defensive pass interference this year than any team in the NFL. So they're also just like, you know, they got a lot of a lot of these things that are kind of all, all going against them at once. And just from a randomness perspective, some of this will go their way next year in ways that it didn't this year. I would think so. Yeah. So all right, let's yeah. let's get out of here. The one thing I'll say, I just I can't, I just I cannot. I this dude is is obviously just losing his com- losing his mind and, and complaining about <laughs> Belichick and everything. And fine. Do not sit there and tell me that Christian Gonzalez is a bad pick because he's all bones and you wanted Zay Flowers. Are you kidding me? Christian Gonzalez weighs more than Zay Flowers. Don't sit there and talk yeah. about that. Get the hell out of here, dude. Like that's well, that's also, just that's yeah. lunacy. Oh, You're yeah. talking about not yeah. drafting a guy who's 6'2", 190 because you wanted a guy that's 5'10", 170. Like get the hell out of here, dude. Like that's just it's yeah. insane to me. So and I and I would I loved Zay Flowers too. I was a big fan right. of his, but uh Demario Douglas has been like 80% of Zay Flowers Man, when he's on the field 80%. this year. 70. Maybe. He's, Maybe because well, he is the, the big the big production looks really bad. Yeah, but Zay but he, Zay, he's what Zay did today is something that DeMario can't do. You know, he doesn't what, have take that. advantage of a blown coverage. Yes, but, <laughs> but the run after the catch and stuff. I, I don't know. So, anyways, yeah. I just I and look, I think they traded back from 14 to 17 because they were both there and they knew they were gonna get one of them. And so yeah. and, and apparently but Gonzo yeah. was that was the guy. So anyways, all right, yeah. we gotta get out also, of here. Also, I let's, but, let's get by out the way, though, I, I have to address something in the chat just to throw this out there because I know Russell Wilson's getting thrown around. Do not bring Russell Wilson to New England next year. I have no interest in bringing him to New England because <laughs> nothing about his personality history tells me that he's a guy you can expect to buy in as a backup quarterback and be a mentor. He gives you nothing on that front. And the only reason he's put up decent numbers in Denver this year is because they just protect him. The whole entire offense is built around running the football, and then occasionally we're going to give you a play-action shot where you can throw it at Cortland Sutton down the field. That's right. all they if, ask of Russell Wilson, if, and he's if nothing not. Else works, if nothing else works, and you get him on a one-year, $1.14 million deal because he wants to try to re, re, reinvigorate his career or some crap like that, fine. O- outside of that, hell no. No, but thank you. I, but you're, I don't, at that I'd point, draft, I'd, I'd rather draft Quinn Ewers in the second or third round anyways. Yeah, you know? when it's at that point – Sign Jacoby Brissett or go get Fields or Kyler Murray or Kirk Cousins. I think all of those are better options than Russell Wilson at this point, whether you're asking him to be a starter or a backup. I Uh, agree. So Old Man Mom, by the way, yes, we are going to be going to – we're going to be doing mock draft streams very soon. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, I think we forgot to do them this last Wednesday. We had Sophie on, so we didn't get into it. Uh, Let's do some – this Wednesday? Should we have people send them in? Sounds good to me. Sounds good. Okay, yeah. Guys, send in. Tweet them at us. You're – your uh, mock drafts there, and we'll take some in and talk about them Wednesday night. Yep. All right, so we'll see you Wednesday night. Thanks for coming through. Happy New Year. Uh, I hope New everyone has a good 2024, we and we'll uh, we'll talk to you Wednesday night. Especially the Patriots. Well, we'll see. <laughs> That's what's hope so. So a bad start to 2024 with a loss next weekend, and then a good 2024 <laughs> yes. the rest of the time. So, all right, yes. guys, thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you next week. Or talk to you, yeah, well, I guess next week, technically, on Wednesday. <laughs>